Do you ever have an itchy thought that just keeps saying, if only, if only I hadn't made that mistake, if only I could just press the redo button, if only things were just a little bit different? Do you want to try to think about things in a different way? Today, we're diving into something called counterfactual thinking, the idea of how things could have gone differently. Believe it or not, it has some potential positives in addition to the potential negatives. We want to dive deep about how hard it can be to get rid of the what ifs and some research about why they can be so treacherous. If you've ever felt like you've been living in an alternate universe where something happened differently, you'll want to listen to today's baggage check. Welcome. I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this is Baggage Check, mental health talk and advice. Thank you for being here today. We really appreciate your support. And it seems I only do this once a millennium, but if you want to drop a review or become a subscriber, that would be amazing. Every individual one helps. But I must remind you that Baggage Check is not a show about luggage or travel. Incidentally, it is also not a show about my favorite fonts. Yes, I've been legally barred from doing such a show. Anyway, let's get to it. Today, I wanted to talk about what if, and specifically some of the science behind why it's so hard to shake. It is playoff season and state tournament season for high school spring sports. In my family, that means a lot of time on the bleachers. And it also means observing some disappointment. The nature of a lot of athletic competitions or other competitions for that matter is that when there's a tournament set up, everybody except for the sole one winning team is going to end their season on a loss. That's the nature of the beast. And losses, of course, come in all shapes and sizes in our personal lives as well. And I mean losses as in feeling like you failed to measure up, whether it's because the scoreboard told you literally you didn't measure up or you didn't get that promotion, you didn't win that award. Of course, this also goes into the idea of other types of loss that are even more devastating. Loss of relationships, loss of loved ones. But when we think about losses that are tied to feeling like you failed to measure up, those come in all different forms too. From the near misses, where you say, if only I didn't do that one thing, then that run wouldn't have scored. Then I would have gotten that higher performance evaluation. Then maybe my marriage would have stayed together. Or of course, there are the bigger misses, the missed it by a mile, the mercy rules, the feeling that you really screwed up and didn't even come close to something. Now, what's really interesting is that the research seems to show that missing something by just a little bit is more excruciating than missing it by a lot. And of course, this kind of makes sense, mainly because when you miss something by just a little bit, something called counterfactual thinking starts to take over. Counterfactual thinking is the idea of the alternate universe, imagining what could have been, visualizing, hmm, we could have won that championship, if only. And when you miss something just by a little bit, that counterfactual thinking becomes more real, more intense. Because you can imagine yourself with that trophy even more realistically, you came close. Maybe when you miss something by a lot, 
you just don't visualize that you would have actually had a chance to have gotten it in the same way. There's no one moment to relive to say, if only I had done that differently. Some really interesting research bears this out, looking at gold, silver, and bronze medalists. This research dates back to the mid-90s. Bill Hedgecock and Raylan Webster, they actually looked at medalists, Olympic medalists, truly looked at them, as in observed their smiles, their body language. And the interesting trend that kept showing up is that bronze medalists appeared happier than silver medalists. This study's been a classic ever since, and it seems to have held up. Objectively, the silver medalists performed better. They got a higher award, a more valuable medal, a more objectively impressive achievement. So why did the silver medalists seem to be so bummed? Is it like middle child syndrome? Well, not exactly. But what seems to be happening involves the role of counterfactual thinking, The silver medalists may have felt like they just missed the gold. Their counterfactual thinking kept nudging them to say, you should have been up there in first place. If only you hadn't made that tiny little slip up. If only you had gone just a little bit faster. Whereas the bronze medalists, their counterfactual thinking would have been, hey, you came close to not meddling, but you did it. You meddled. Look at you. Amazing. Bronze medalists are probably happy to have won the medal, period, whereas silver medalists are more likely to be focusing on what they missed out on. Now, of course, there's all kinds of individual variations. Somebody who was favored to win the gold medal is going to be super, super bummed to win the bronze, perhaps, and come behind two people rather than one. But in general, this trend seems to hold up. And once again, it speaks to this idea of just missing – Maybe the bronze medalist is free of the idea that they should have, could have, would have won the gold. They can just allow themselves to revel in getting a medal, period. So what does this mean for somebody who is presumably not running in an Olympic decathlon anytime soon? But this idea of counterfactual thinking, what do we do when it gets in the way? Well, first, let's talk about the two different types of counterfactual thinking, and I alluded to them before. There's the upward counterfactual thinking and the downward counterfactual thinking. Upward would be the one that zooms in on how something could have been better. That's the silver medalist sitting there and saying, I should have won the gold. And this is where the itch comes in, that if only itch. I should have done something differently. I missed this opportunity. Hindsight is twenty twenty, so you might have all kinds of things that you wish that you could just redo. Had I only known this, had I only done this, I should have sold that stock at this particular time. I should have been more invested in that relationship because now I really miss it. And the truth is, research does suggest that constant, intense, upward counterfactual thinking can be associated with depression because we're dwelling on the missed opportunities. We're dwelling on the fact that we fell short. We're dwelling on the fact that things feel like they could have been better, that they should have been better. Now, downward counterfactual thinking is interesting because this is the notion that, hey, things could have been worse, which a lot of times can sort of straddle the optimism and pessimism, right? We kind of all know people who are always like, well, at least you weren't lit on fire when that happened right? There's something to be said for it being a pessimistic way of thinking to always be focusing on the negative, even if that negative is just hypothetical. 
But the interesting thing, though, about downward counterfactual thinking is that sometimes it can be a healthy coping mechanism. Maybe it makes you more grateful. Maybe you recognize, hey, it could have been worse. I might have it bad, but a lot of other people are struggling even more deeply. There's a balance here, probably. Being able to use downward counterfactual thinking to increase your gratitude, and we've talked a lot about gratitude on here, without just making you always focus on potential darkness. Because we know that even if we're just talking about hypothetical darkness, if we're constantly zooming in on it and focusing on it, we're looking at darkness. The other thing about downward counterfactual thinking is that if you're always imagining the worst case scenario, sometimes for some people that just leads you into constantly ruminating and worrying about the future, right? There's a fine line between always being so aware of how things could have been worse versus using that for your future-oriented thinking. I could get hit by a bus the second that I step outside, right? So we want to balance this downward counterfactual thinking. In some people, it can be helpful because it helps improve the idea of gratitude and recognizing the good in something, but we don't want to use it so much that you're always thinking of the bad. So if you are ruminating either in an upward counterfactual way or downward counterfactual way, these thoughts are sticking, they keep gnawing at you, you're living in that alternate universe rather than where you are right here, right now. Step one is to get you back right here, right now. It's that mindful pause. Get yourself to a point of bringing your awareness into the current moment. I know this is stuff we talk about a lot, but never can it be more effective than when you are spiraling away at a potential hypothetical alternative universe past or a worrisome future. Neither of those actually exist in the moment, so bring yourself into the moment Ground yourself in the moment. Notice five things in the room. Notice what your senses are doing. How does that chair feel under you? What do you smell? What do you hear? How does that cup of tea feel in your hands? What does your breath feel like? Do whatever you can to slow down your breathing. Those slow inhales through the nose, slow exhales through the mouth, and bring yourself to the current moment. The current moment is what you have. The current moment is what is authentic and real. Next step is to ask yourself, instead of living in this counterfactual universe, what can I take from it that is going to help give me strength and insight? If there is a genuine mistake that I made and I can't stop dwelling on it, how do I turn that mistake into power? How do I understand how I can incorporate that into my values or my behavior going forward? I can learn from it. And maybe the lesson was awful. Worst lesson ever. Not worth the investment at all. However, that doesn't mean that it can't still help me going forward. Recognize when you're living in that counterfactual spiral. Label it. Up, there's my pesky alternative universe thought again taking me away from the real life that's right in front of me. I actually have some control over this real life. I don't have any control over this hypothetical alternate universe that's maybe happening in some parallel dimension where I'm me, but I have blue hair. That's not real. Or at least if it is, we're not seeing it. 
It's not our power to do anything with that. So what do you want to do going forward? How can that mistake that you made or that near miss that you had reaffirm your values for you? Does it show you more the need to be careful? Does it show you more the need for self-compassion, the awareness that everyone makes mistakes? Is it all a reminder to be more gentle with yourself? Is it a reminder that your perfectionism has gotten really tough? What would you say to a friend if they had had that same near miss? Would you be as harsh on them as you are on yourself? In Detox Your Thoughts, I give a case study of somebody who struggled so hard with rumination and regret about some choices he had made in life, and he couldn't shake the desire to have the undo button, the reset button, if only, if only, if only, if only. What finally helped him, and it helped him really significantly, is to come back into the moment and look at his life as a whole picture. That yes, he made some mistakes he would have loved to have changed, but he made those mistakes precisely because they were part of his values at the time. He was adventurous. He was exploring. He took a risk. The risk did not pay off, and it harmed him in certain ways. However, he was honoring those values by taking that risk in the first place, and now he could adjust his risk-taking. He could still be adventurous, but he could also incorporate the insight that he had gleaned. We started using the metaphor of paying tolls along a road. Yes, the road of life. How cringe is that? My teenagers would be horrified. But when you think about it, there are tolls along the road of life. Even if we don't want to pay them, even if we didn't know they were coming. Oh, geez, this toll booth is going to cost me $8 and I don't even have any change and my easy pass isn't working and now I'm screwed. Okay, well, do I just want to sit there arguing at the toll booth for the next 10 years? Or do I want to accept that this toll is non-negotiable and the sooner that I get through paying it, the sooner I can move forward and see what's out there? And maybe the toll turns out to be worth it, because if I spent the rest of my life just screaming and arguing at the toll booth, I would miss out on the road. Let's pay our tolls, even the ones that we regret, even the ones that we wish we didn't have to pay. We can't go back and undo them. Some people are helped by drawing pictures of all this stuff. Instead of thinking in this dichotomous way of the what if versus my actual life, incorporate the whole picture that the mistake is part of your actual life. You don't have to excise it out of your actual life and just try to keep putting the hypothetical there. The mistake can be part of you. And if we want to get really metaphysical, the butterfly effect probably has a role in there somewhere, right? If we start going around and trying to change things, if only I hadn't done this, who knows how that could have mucked things up. We don't have to see a bad science fiction movie to know that when you start tweaking things in the past, maybe even the stuff that you value most wouldn't have happened. It goes back to sort of a spiritual notion that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And maybe at your core, you don't believe that at all, and that's okay. But what is true alongside that is that you have the power to affect change most on your life as it currently is. You cannot affect change on what has already happened, except in how you choose to derive strength and insight from it. So for all of you who are struggling these days, of course, the ultimate in wishing that you had one moment back to do differently, we've talked about in really profound ways, like with Dr. Brooke Ellison, 
who was hit by a car at the age of 11 and became a quadriplegic and to this day relies on a ventilator. She had such valuable things to say about how to move on from the dwelling on the if-only as well. So I highly recommend that episode if you haven't already heard it. But to everybody there who's struggling with the what-if, I hear you. I get you. Counterfactual thinking, let's give it a name, let's recognize it, let's label it. It's a tough foe at times. Even tougher than a lineup where the two through five hitter are each hitting home runs. So let yourself have your reactions, but also remember that you've got to let yourself have your moment too. Your moment as in right now. This is what you have. There's no going back, but you can be stronger going forward. Thanks for joining me today. Once again, I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this has been Baggage Check with new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Join us on Instagram at Baggage Check Podcast. Give us your take and opinions on topics and guests. And you know you've got that friend who listens to like 17 podcasts. We'd love it if you told them where to find us. Our original music is by Jordan Cooper, cover art by Daniel Marity, and my studio security, it's Buster the Dog. Until next time, take good care.